0: Welcome to You Know What I Mean. This is a show created, directed, produced, starring Nicholas Robert Alpher. An extra drug addict, uh, I often say, you know what I mean? And my closest friends tell me, no, in fact, we do not know what you mean. So I guess that this is a show trying to explain maybe to them, maybe to my father, that I know what I mean. I uh, feel that life has passed me by. That's why I'm starting a podcast because what else are you supposed to do? But uh, yeah, I think being a ex-drug addict is confusing because I would have thought that you could get better, but you don't really get better. You just kind of get better at dealing with it and um, and then realize that the thinking that puts you into the darkest you know, portion of your life and the depths of hell of addiction are just, um, that's just going to be with you for the rest of your life. And now you just got to like drink coffee and and rip jewels and smoke cigarettes to like maybe push that away for a second. But in reality, you're just still the same, (laughs) the same monster. And, uh, and it's tough, I guess. I don't know. This is kind of turning into a therapy session, um, which is similar to my real therapy sessions because I don't allow my therapist to tell me anything. I pay him $150 a session uh, just to listen to me rant. So between that and uh, the, um, the five phone calls a, a day that I, I'm not supposed to talk on the phone at work, but I do anyway. I'm a property manager. I've, I've yet to manage any properties, uh, but I don't get paid for any of that shit. So I'm hoping that, that maybe this will give me some money and um, it probably won't though, but it's all good. Um, I just want to talk about a bunch of stories and shit and just stuff that I've gone through and my different opinions about about things because I think I have an interesting perspective on, um, on reality um, or whatever form that everyone wants to uh, live in. I've uh, been thinking a lot about my uh, ex- Drug dealer, Brian Owens. I don't even know if we're supposed to just drop names. That's a common enough name. I'm sure there's more than one Brian Owens drug dealer. But uh, we used to call him Uncle Bry because he was like, uh, he was, I guess he was in his 50s when I knew him. Um, and the first day I met him, I was like, this girl picks me up and she's like, oh, we're going to go get blues. And it's like Roxy's oxycodone and um i've been doing them a lot but i had no solid connect and i knew that his son had just passed away from an overdose and he used to live around the corner from me and uh we go down there and i'm just the manipulative motherfucker that i am i'm like i got to bring that up and like tell him i feel so so bad and that rob was such a good kid and i, n- I never knew the fucking kid so <laughs> we <laughs> we drive down there and, uh, I hop out of the car and I've only heard stories about this guy. And, uh, my friend gets me out of the car, introduces me to him. I'm like, Hey man, I'm, I'm Nick. Nice to meet you. He's like, mm, Hey, how, how you doing Nick? And I'm like, good man. Uh, good. You know, uh, I heard about, about your son. Um, and I'm really sorry. I, you know, Rob was such, he was such a great kid and, uh, you know, really, um, really feel bad. And like, you know, my, my condolences for, for what had happened and it. Had, probably not even been maybe a it probably like a week and a half at this point that this kid passed away and he his immediate response to me saying that was yep and i just remember my heart like sinking <laughs> just i got like, a little bit startled i was like why did this man i'm like hey your son just died and then his immediate response is "Yup," and uh then i just looked at him and said hey uh, so could uh nicole give me uh, your number and then and she's just like so like, he just goes oh yeah, yeah 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 and then from that point on that with, he became my drug dealer and um it was a very interesting interesting time in my life in a weird relationship as like a 20 i think it was 22 a 22 year old kid having with a uh, with like a 55 year old man and um just the fucking weird escapades I got in with the, with those people. And, um, it was strange, (laughs) strange time in my life. Um, another favorite story that I have was this time I, I was, I was, uh, trying to get money together and it was like, I don't know, uh, probably midnight or one in the morning. And I called Brian. I'm like, Hey man, I got to come by and get, get some blues. Like, uh are you you good for me to come by and he's like on the phone i could tell i'm like this dude's fucked up because he's not one of those drug dealers that's like oh like i've had those that are like i don't ever touch this shit man i see what it does to people he was like let me see what this does to me and everybody else so this guy was getting fucking loaded every day and i could tell on the phone this dude had just you know gone to another fucking planet and uh He's like, "Oh yeah, come on by." And I'm like, oh, "Oh fuck." So, I drive over there. It takes me like fucking 15, 20 minutes. And I fly down. I, I run up the stairs and I just and I, I knock on the door and he's just like He's like, out And I'm like, I'm like, "Yo, it's it, Nick. It's Nick. What's with what, Brian? It's Nick. I was just on the phone with you." He's like, "Oh, oh, Nick. Come on in." And he and he brings me inside. And the guy has a new poor 100 hanging out of his mouth. The place is a cloud of smoke and the ash on his cigarettes like halfway down. And um, he's just like mildly convulsing, I would say, and kind of just has a, a shake to him. And every time he kind of does like a big movement, he just goes. Urgh! And he's he's counting the, the, the blues for me. And he's like, how many blues? And I said, let me let me get three blues. And he goes like the fucking Tootsie roll pop guy. He's like a one, a two, three blues, and he hands them to me. I hand him the money, and I'm looking at him, the guys. In his fucking underwear, he looks like shit, and um, his eyes are pinned beyond recognition, and uh, he's just like he's like swaying back and forth like a like a conservative Jew doing prayers at like a at, at um temple. And I just looking at him, I said, "Brian, you, you're gonna be all right." And his immediate response is, "Huh?" I said, "Dude, are you gonna be all right?" And he looks me in the eyes and goes, "Oh yeah, 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 I'm fine." But this was normal. This was the people I hung out with. And the strangest part about like this era of my life was I felt most comfortable with that guy with the people at this bar I used to drink at called the Brookchester, which was a liquor store at the front that was open till like 3 a.m., I believe, or 3 or 4 a.m., and then you walked into the back. There's a little section. You think it's going to be like where there's another cooler, and then there's just a dingy bar that was in there. just smelled like beer and piss, and it had like the bathrooms had saloon doors. There was no food, and everybody that drank there was just so sad and either – addicted to alcohol or addicted to drugs or both or whatever and um, me and my buddy would just play music on like he would just play torn by natalie Imbruglia and bruglia um, and a couple other songs over and over again where he would jump the line and play like torn three times in a row Where we would cause like a verbal argument with the with the staff and the people the other patrons but it was, uh, this is, this is the places that I felt comfortable. And in. in some ways it's the only places I still feel comfortable. <laughs> I like have never understood the, Oh yeah. Like let's, let's go out, man. Like we can go to the bar. We'll go club and like, Oh, we're getting so drunk and all that. It's like, dude, I fucking, when I drank and when I used drugs, it was to just numb everything that I was going in. Like all the problems that I made up in my own head that were non-existent that I spent like years running away from. Cause in I don't know how it is for other people, but I've always felt that I like initially had some problems in my life and then I got so fucking high over them for years that it became it became that getting high was my problem and then the easiest solution to that was just to get high every day and then I'll solve that problem when I don't feel too good. And this is the logic um and this was somebody was I guess college educated if that even fucking means anything anymore a college educator, you know, came from a good family. Like I didn't, I wasn't raised to be a criminal or not that, that I was any good at being one anyway, unless you think of, tr- you know, using drugs as a crime. It's very good at that crime. But other than that, I was not somebody that was well equipped for this like alternative lifestyle. I just didn't like the way that I fucking felt and I knew I could change it. I'm going to take a break from talking about drugs for a second. Um, we'll go back to that possibly uh i've been thinking a lot about how i haven't seen many good movies in the theaters like how it used to be and a lot of times i'll just opt to watch it at home but uh i just saw chung king express this weekend with my girlfriend and uh some Chi- chinese film uh and you know got pretty good reviews or whatever and uh it was like, I guess, aesthetically, it was a beautiful movie. It was shot well and the dialogue was good, but in reality, the plot just like was nothing. It meant nothing to me. Uh, they literally split the movie. kind of, the first third was one story. And then the second, this, uh, the, you know, the, the next portion of the film or the remaining portion of the film was all a new story. And, um, they were in the same city about police officers and they had no relation, the other events. And I didn't like think it was cute or cool. Like I was just like very confused. And I felt like a racist because probably 40 minutes into the, the next section of a Chinese man, I'm saying I I go to my girlfriend. I'm like, I'm like, is that, is that a different guy? And she's like, I was about to ask you the same thing. I'm like, Jesus Christ. But, in general, movies in the theaters now. Like I saw Top Gun, it was it was honestly incredible. Um, but it wasn't much to it. It was just like uh, America, fucking fly the planes, kill the bad guys, he gets the girl, and um, redemption, and um, you know everybody uh, everybody loves him again. And it was and it was great. I enjoyed it. But other than that, I I saw Parasite, and before that, I can't even remember anything else that was good and a big issue that they have is they keep doing these, you know, uh, um, remakes of old classics and they try and make them even better than they did before. And they always come out terrible. So my uh, call to arms for the film industry is to actually go back and take classic films and remake them to be terrible. And that, perhaps the inverse will actually result in in an even better movie. And, uh, the one example that I can think of is they need to go back and remake goodwill hunting. But instead this time, will hunting is an established like business magnet and, uh, like world renowned mathematician who is a professor at MIT. And like after the, you know, the half the lights get dimmed in the building and, uh, you know, everyone's wrapping up in the classroom. Uh, Will sneaks out and, and breaks into the janitor's closet and starts mopping the floors, and the head janitor starts sprinting after him. Wait, wait, wait. And then the rest of the movie is about this guy who's like a multimillionaire or even a billionaire who's just obsessed with being a janitor, and the head, head janitor and like the, all the janitorial staff is like trying to... Um, get him in to uh, to be the new janitor at the school. And uh, I just kept thinking about, like, his relationship with Ben Affleck and that Ben Affleck uh, is super uh, concerned with him following his dreams like he was in the, in the real film. And he's, and he's saying to him, like, because he owns, like, a successful car service uh, uh, business, and he goes to him, he's like, one of these days I'm going to send you your car to come into work. He's like, and you're just not going to come in. It's like the same thing but instead because you you got to toss the the english woman who goes to harvard and in reality it's a it's another uh, janitor who's like a salvadorian woman who uh <laughs> who works at harvard and uh at the end of the movie ben affleck is just like so happy when he doesn't get into work and like here's they didn't get picked up and then they should show him in like a like a japanese beater beater car like a like a like a 90s a 1990, uh, civic with like, you know, different colored paneling, just driving to the Mexican border. And I just think that that would be, um, I would go watch that. I'd pay $15 to go watch that. Um, I just think that, and it's been said before, just that, um, the amount of content that everybody is, uh, subjected to is like, it's absolutely absurd and like the there's just an overload of all this shit. And like they know that they can just put out garbage now and people are just going to eat it up anyway. And, uh, I think it's frustrating. Uh, I hate it and God forbid you want to see a movie that's funny cause that doesn't exist anymore. I haven't seen a movie in the theaters that was funny. Um, I didn't see Bridesmaids in the theater, but I thought that was funny. Um, I, don't, I honestly don't even remember. Maybe uh, the other guys, which when I first saw it, me and my friend went there. And uh, we smoked. I was like, I think I was 17. And we both smoked a blunt. And we went directly into the theater. And for the first 30 minutes of the movie... I thought that it was uh, a drama because I was like, oh, yeah, like uh, Mark Wahlberg's in it (laughs) (laughs) and Samuel L. Jackson. And uh, when Samuel L. Jackson and Dwayne Johnson like leap to their death, like they just basically commit suicide in the first like 10 minutes or 15 minutes of the film. Like I was blown away and I didn't even laugh at most of the stuff in like the first half of the movie and walked away so confused that I had to watch it again. And then I was like, this movie's hilarious. But that was... um, that and the time that i saw up in the theaters the animated uh the pixar movie those are probably the two funniest um, movie experiences i had where during up i was like 15 with my two friends we just we smoked a pipe made out of pvc in the woods at the by the movie theater went inside and then i proceeded to ball crying like like crying my eyes out uncontrollable so- uh, uh, sobbing in the front row and um during the scene where he's shown like the, the old guy's wife passed away and he just how he's so lonely and all that and he's this crotchety old man but he has like the soft spot and anything about the old people dying or old people being sad for me and it has to do with family just for whatever reason just like taps into like i don't think about my grandfather when he passed and and stuff like that and i was just an emotional wreck and just like oh like just basically moaning during the film and my my one friend was so stoned that he didn't care and then my other friend was just next to me and he's just hysterically laughing at me and then it turns into a point that i'm like crying and laughing because i realize how dumb it is because i think i'm also simultaneously like euphorically thinking it's just this such a funny thing that i'm crying like this while also crying at the same time and um in the front row of the theater like making a complete fool out of myself but um going on a new topic just to think that it's kind of related just that the the way that we're going like with tech and um surveillance and like the monitoring of just everything we do and uh just for instance like I was talking about the other day with my girlfriend like how you go onto Google and you look at the search results and then you go on to DuckDuckGo. And this isn't an advertisement for DuckDuckGo, but if you know anyone at DuckDuckGo, tell them that I need money and I need it right now. Anywho uh the search results vary completely like and there's certain times that like when something scandalous is going on, I mean, like, even with, um, I'll talk about this, like I, uh, I compete or I competed in wrestling, like from when I was seven to 17, like at a high level and, you know, um, placed in the States for, for New Jersey at a point in time and, um, been coaching for a number of years now. And, um, I've been doing jujitsu for, for about four years, my blue belt. And uh, one thing for me with sports has always been like, I don't, I don't take anything uh, that's illicit as a performance-enhancing drug, and I find that anyone who does that, um, that they're cheating, and that I would have a complete uh, ethical dilemma, and to me, I think it, even for me, it, it, it would probably. Um, envelop into a moral issue that i have with it that uh that that's cheating and that you shouldn't do it and i would feel awful about it if i were to to use steroids and um in the jiu-jitsu community it's completely like some people i guess are upset about it or whatever but like on the highest level i like this tournament that's going on probably right now as i'm doing this uh the adccs which is like the world championship of uh nogi jiu-jitsu so like when you're wearing like the you know the tight uh under armor type deal rash guard with uh with with shorts instead of the traditional kimono or the gi, and um these guys are all juiced to the absolute gills and uh i was looking up this one guy who's really famous um in the community is like the best pound for pound jiu-jitsu guy in the world right now gordon ryan and um i I wrote his name on google gordon ryan steroids and like it doesn't even bring up uh like a quick link for me to to pick and i'm just thinking and then i go on when i search it up it brings all this stuff up on reddit where everyone's talking about it and i'm just like why is this being protected i mean maybe this isn't um the perfect example but it's just the one that i experienced it last night and it just frustrates it just frustrates me how um Well, it frustrates me that uh, you see this guy's transformation in 18 months, like at one point in time, like, like, dude, I've been lifting for, uh, I guess since like pretty much consistently since 2017 and from 2017 to 2020, that's around the time it took me to gain about, I don't know, 30 pounds of mass. So about three years it took me to to put on 30 pounds and all i did was eat and work out and do all this stuff and not not even uh training that much jitsu at the time and if you're training like five six times a week doing hard jitsu sessions it's like how the hell are you putting on mass like that and um that frustrates me but then just the idea that we live in this we think we live in this time where we have all this like information, like we you know it's the most information that anyone's ever received, and a lot of it's nonsense, and then a lot of it's just hand-picked for us. Uh, I think that uh, one of the, one thing that that would be cool, and um, I guess cool is a subjective term in this in this instance, but uh, like you know, there's always those problems with Netflix, and uh, uh, they don't want multiple people on the same like same thing watching uh you know you have limited amount of devices you can only have one device you can have this many devices on and um imagine it gets to a point that they just have like a webcam on you and a and a turret that's on the top of your television or your device and if if like you're uh if another human being comes into frame they just (laughs) murder you on the spot and i think there's a comfort in that um just to show that um how loyal you are to a service and, uh, I'm uncomfortable now if I'm not using a service and, um, I'm a big fan of Instagram and the amount of services they have that is seemingly are services for services that may as well be a service. And, uh, like how many apps I get thrown to me about, uh, a subscription to an app that cancels other subscriptions for you is there perhaps another app you need to to, to get that 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 will cancel that subscription to that app canceling subscriptions is just a long chain of subscriptions canceling out other subscriptions uh, it's a fucking strange time to be alive and I think the the detrimental effects to our mental health will <laughs> will be um, I mean I think they're on full display I think everyone's lost their fucking mind and uh, between the pandemic and um, just in America like the 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 uh, I don't know the drive for acquiring wealth and like the selfishness and I don't know like it's when I've gone to other parts of the country because um, I grew up in New Jersey I still live in New Jersey um, there's people are definitely can, can, you know, have a little bit more humanity than living in, you know, Bergen County or, you know, in New York city. And just seems like everyone's just, uh, I don't know, too busy for everybody. Um, but I don't know. I just kind of feel like everyone's fucked and there's this, uh, communal psychosis going on and, um if you're not exercising and like living right and doing all that stuff, you can like just, um, I don't know, go into this this pool of negative thought and my friend will, feel, if my friend Brendan listens to this, he's going to make fun of me for talking about the cloud of anxiety that's over in New York City because, and that it trickles down into Bergen County and how he lives in Warren County, which is about like an hour away from here and how uh, he, he doesn't experience it as bad or, or maybe if the winds are, are a little too strong he'll get a little bit of that anxiety but um, this is a longer form uh, kind of um, admission to my desire to just move away from where I am with hopes of running away from myself but then in reality realizing that I'm no matter where I go, there I am and um, that happened, I had a realization like that when I was I was in a treatment center uh, out in California. I was in Malibu on a rooftop in a, a mansion in Malibu with uh, my buddy Jake from Mississippi, who's now, he's in prison for uh, breaking and entering, who sometimes calls me on burner phones from prison and asks me to send him money. Um, but we're sitting there and we're talking about uh, eating peanut butter and fentanyl sandwiches and uh, I just look at the trees in the backyard of this mansion um, uh, right next to uh, I think it's was Zumaris Beach or the house was called Zumaris. I don't know maybe that was a street who, who fucking knows I don't remember it was like five years ago six years ago and he goes or no I say to him I said dude looking at these fucking trees back here he's like, we're just smoking cigarettes. I said like, man, might as well be in my backyard in New Jersey at my parents' house. Like I was like, this is the same shit. doesn't matter where the fuck I am. Same problems that I have in my mind. And it's like this incessant need for me to just fucking be on the move and be on the go. And it's why I like always keep my schedule super, super busy. Cause I don't like to afford myself any time to think. And, um, I think that's indicative of my own, my own issues and also just the kind of world that we live in. I don't know. It's getting dark. I'm sorry if anybody didn't want to feel sad. Um, I'm not even sad. I feel pretty good today, but I think my, um, my barometer or like my like baseline for uh, depression and just feeling like, I don't know, just like the, my like some other people's low might be my just regular and uh, my regular feeling of just life and um i don't know it's just constantly being in a state of being one step ahead of my own bullshit and um that's uh one of the hardest things i've ever had to do because there's like there's always that layer like of self-deception where i know that um you can't truly get over on yourself. And, um, that's why I've kept a lot of good people around me and go to therapy. And, you know, uh, I used to go to meetings. I haven't been much lately, but there's, ai um, I don't know. I think it's it's like this, um, this like mental and emotional maintenance that I have to, uh, just do a bunch of stuff that I don't want to do. And then it makes me feel better. Like the contrary action, they call it. Um, and sometimes there's times that I don't want to fucking do anything. And when I do those like remedial tasks that I need to complete all fucking week and it takes me 15 minutes to do them, I feel immensely better. And I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous. But what are you going to do? I think I'll close it out with a story about, I, I worked at a HVAC company. Um, doing commercial and residential install for like around three years for um, you know AC units for for homes and you know this is without a true construction background and it was uh, very interesting to be around these people because I think that like it takes a certain kind of individual to be in construction because it is terrible work and it is grueling and repetitive and, uh, just overall, like, I don't know, it's a lot of people just can't, they're just not tough enough to do it. And I like went into it being kind of tough from being a, you know, high level athlete and, you know, working out and all this and just have like determination to get th- to finish things at times. And, um, I, uh, love the rough and gruff attitude of these of these people who are are all sick in their own way and i don't know if it was just this company that i worked at but there's this one guy bob who was in his 60s and uh he taught me everything that i know and according to him he only knew three things he's like dude i already taught you three things i can't go teaching you anything more he's like because that's about all i know so he was like five foot two 165 pounds had a claw hand two bunions that uh, protruded out of his boots and um, he was just always talk shit to me and um, always yelling at me dude you're fucking shot and uh, just basically torment me and most people hated working with him but I thought he was perhaps the funniest person I've ever met in my entire life and um, one time me and Bobby were doing this job and like it's just me and him and like I didn't really know that much it was like when I first started and I remember like a couple like clinch collars I put in at this building. Like every time I pass it on Route 17, I'm just like, Jesus. I'm like, those clinches were not put in correctly. And now there's probably like when the uh flexible ductworks going through the room, it's probably like leaking out the glob of silicone that I completely screwed up. Um on that one connection. Uh but anyhow, we're walking, we're going to Dunkin' Donuts and um, at the time which is one of the many times in my life where I attempted and failed miserably to quit nicotine because when I quit nicotine, it just feels like every kind of joy in my life that I've ever even had or ever will have is entirely dissipated and that there's no, no reason to live. And like I've done fucking, you know, I've been addicted to, to heroin, oxycodone, uh, cocaine, even like even alcohol and, and Xanax at points where I had like physical, Physical and you know horrific mental addiction to these substances, but nothing compares to the way that I feel when I stop doing nicotine, and um, and caffeine is not a drug; it's a way of life. But I'll never stop that, no matter what. It kind of feels that way with nicotine, but we'll see, because it's horrible for you. But he goes to me. He's like, "Dude, so let me get this straight." I'm like, "Yeah, hey, what's going on?" He's like. He's like, you can't you can't do drugs anymore. It ruined your life. I said, Yep. <laughs> he says, you can't drink anymore. Because when you drink, you say it, it makes you want to do drugs. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you you can't you can't eat candy anymore because when you're using drugs, you destroyed your teeth. So when you eat candy, it hurts your teeth. And I'm like, Yeah. He says, And now you can't smoke anymore because it's bad for you. And I said, yeah, I'm I trying not to smoke too. And he goes, dude, what the fuck do you even have to live for? And I've thought about that probably every week of my life after he said that. And I hysterically laughed. And then also a part of me inside uh, recognized that. And that's <laughs> something I've been trying to reckon with. Like, what the fuck am I living for? And what is uh, the point to all this? And I think that's like the thing that I've always been obsessed with that's plagued me is my, uh, desire to know what the, the true meaning to existence is. And, um, and I also think that that's why I've been obsessed with, um, with the idea of like extraterrestrial life and, um, the idea of, um, I don't know, multiple, multiple universes and, and, you know, the, Extensions of all the different dimensions and like the way that we perceive time and like being caught up on uh, all this has been kind of why I got into construction anyway because when you're fucking when you're working and you're like swinging a hammer and using a screwdriver and you know banging banging something together or taking it apart it's like you're not afforded a moment to think about this but the only the only true uh, thing i'd say that was that horrible about being in construction was the fact that i couldn't just drink and use drugs to get over it like my famous saying i wish i was like normal people so that i could drink and use drugs every day i hope everybody has a great day I'm Signing off